Please pray with me. Lord, you thank you for uh, this day. Thank you for the privilege of your word and the privilege of reading it and of expounding it and of hearing it and pray that you would by it speak to us afresh this morning in the words that we have heard uh, many times from Isaiah. Lord, would you uh, renew in us the joy and the hope of the the stump that bears a new uh, branch and you shoot. Pray that you lead us this morning in your name. Amen. Well, good morning. It's good to be with you this morning. My name is Drew Miller. I'm one of the priests here on staff. If you're new or visiting our online service, we're really grateful that you would tune in um, and to pray with us today. This Sunday is actually three years to the Sunday since I first visited St. John's. Um, I came for an Advent teaching and to see Corey get ordained um, on the night that this Isaiah passage was to be read. And I actually preached on this passage in Isaiah at St. John's here um, that very morning. So if this morning feels repetitive, uh, no, I'm kidding. This is a relatively new sermon. Um, but even so, it might feel repetitive because Isaiah, the book that we're going to be spending some time in this Advent, is by its nature Repetitive. It cycles. It repeats back on itself. It circles back, especially in the first half of the book. The prophet Isaiah returns again and again to the same themes, the same pattern. And the pattern that he presents is simple. To Israel will come judgment. From judgment, Israel will experience desolation. From desolation will come hope. That's the pattern. Judgments then desolation, then hope. Judgment, then desolation, then hope. Again and again, Isaiah repeats this throughout the first half of his letter. And each time the pattern is repeated, it it gathers new details. It gathers nuance. You might think of a painter who's painting a portrait on a canvas. You might see the painting and think that, you know, the tree in the middle of it is brown. But Even though it looks brown to you, usually a good painter will have layers of color behind any given image. And that's because when the final coat is presented, those layers show through to add detail and nuance to whatever that central figure is. They paint the same shape over and over again with different colors so that at the end, the final image is more than just the one coat. But the other colors show through. And it's something like what Isaiah is doing. He's repeating the same form on the same page in slightly different colors, so that the final image that he presents is revealed with details and nuance that one coat would never have presented, never would have revealed. Judgment, desolation, hope. Judgment, desolation, hope. And this is the pattern that Isaiah employs because Isaiah is speaking to Israel on the verge of collapse. God's people have abandoned His Word. They've abandoned His covenant, His law. Instead of standing as a light to the nations, they've instead taken the gods of the nations and the practices of the nations into their own kingdom. They've fallen into idolatry, worshiping the other gods of the nations. They've fallen into injustice and oppression within their borders, even oppression of their own people. And so this is the pattern that Isaiah paints again and again. Isaiah declares that such rebellion, such idolatry, will lead to judgment. God will raise up another nation to war against His people. And His people will be conquered 
and sent into exile. They will experience desolation. The throne of David will be cast down. The temple in Jerusalem will be destroyed. And it will appear that all is lost. Judgment will bring about desolation. But God will not be finished with his people. Somehow God will continue to fulfill his covenant. He will continue to restore his creation. So our reading this morning in Isaiah chapter 11 begins in the middle of that cycle, in the middle of that pattern. It begins with, with desolation. Judgment has already fallen for Israel's rebellion. The great tree of Israel has been chopped down. The great tree of King David's line has been felled. It's no more. All that remains is a stump in a field. By all appearances, dead. The purposes of God and His people and in His King seem thwarted for the moment. And I wonder if you've ever felt like that. I wonder if you've ever felt that sense of desolation, of hopelessness. A sense that God's plans had failed. A sense that His people were at an end. I think it can be pretty easy to feel that way just looking at the church today. While legal protections for Christians and for Christian churches have never actually been stronger in the States than they are today, there is still clearly a cultural drift away from traditional Christianity, from Orthodox Christianity. We feel pressure from media, from social media, from our friends, from family, to leave traditional Christianity behind, to leave behind its views of marriage, its views of the sanctity of life. There's a pressure that we all feel to move away from God's Word towards what is more comfortable in society, to walk away from the revelation of God in Scripture and to agree with our common man. We've seen our own friends, we've seen our own family walk away from Jesus, seemingly drawn away by the currents of culture. And we as the church don't only face external pressures, we face internal pressures too. There are many who call themselves Christians who would rather the church pursue this or that agenda than speak the Word of God. Christians who would sacrifice the character of Christ for power or Christians who would give up the Scriptures so as not to be offensive to people they care about. There are whole denominations that have abandoned the Gospel on one side or the other. It's a truth that you know very well at St. John's. And there are false teachers within those denominations and in others who play on fear and misunderstanding to gain power in the church. The church today, God's people here, seem just as the hymn described it 200 years ago. Though with a scornful wonder men see her sore oppressed by schisms rent asunder, by heresies distressed. Seems to be the way the church always looks, feels. And even as the church here at St. John's feels alive and growing, it's easy to look outside of these walls, particularly in Europe and in the States, and see that the church appears to be in great trouble. Perhaps the tree is not totally felled yet, but the axe is certainly laying at the root. Isaiah sees in his prophetic vision a tree already down, a stump in a field and no more. God's people conquered and exiled and God's purposes in question. 
And yet Isaiah declares that God has not yet done with His people. So verse 1, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. From the stump a shoot will grow. From the roots a new branch will grow. From desolation now comes hope. Remember that pattern. Judgment, desolation, hope. And this is not hope apart from God's people. This is not hope apart from the tree that once was. This isn't a starting over on a different plot of land. This is hope growing up from the very people of God. God's still fulfilling His purposes through them, even despite their rebellion. I was just talking to Charlotte a little while ago about the lemon trees that my parents have grown in their yard. Citrus, it seems, is able to thrive now in our climate, at least along the coast. And I know here they've seen some citrus growing around too. Several years ago when we had that deep freeze, I think five inches of snow or so that stuck, actually Corey and I were up in seminary and I remember coming home excited for the warmth of a Charleston wintertime to find five inches of snow on the ground. It broke my heart. But... Uh, We had this lemon tree, and it grew. We were having literally hundreds of lemons every winter, and this freeze killed it, knocked it back, and we thought that we had lost it all together because it looked dead. We cut it down after all the branches drooped and cracked and dried out, and the stump itself cracked. But from the root, wouldn't you know it, came a shoot. From the stump that had been cut, new life came forth. And we have lemons again. This is the kind of unexpected resurrection that Isaiah describes. Something as dead as dead can be, something that gives no indication of life or of possibility comes life. A new branch that will bear fruit, he says. A shoot from the stump of Jesse. So what will this shoot be? Well, in the very next verse we get a hint because we learn that this shoot, this branch that comes from the stump of Jesse is in fact a person. Look at verse 2. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon Him. Him, you see. The hopeful branch is a person on whom rests the Spirit of the Lord. The Spirit, it says, of wisdom and understanding, of counsel and might. The Spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. The shoot that comes forth from the stump is a person filled with the Spirit. And what will this person do? Verse 3. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes with what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. What will this shoot from the stump of Jesse do? He shall judge. He'll judge. Now when we think of someone judging... We would tend to think of a magistrate in a courtroom, right? We think of Fitzley McCann. Or maybe a black robe and a wig and a gavel. We might think of the Supreme Court. And that's because in the states, our government is divided into three branches. The executive branch, legislative, and the judicial branch. When we think of judge, we think of the judiciary in a divided government. Not so in ancient Israel. Remember, ancient Israel is a theocratic monarchy, right? There's a king. The highest judge in the land is the king. So when Isaiah declares that a judge will come filled with the Spirit of the Lord to judge rightly, Isaiah is talking about a king. 
A king who can set injustice right. A king who can lead his people with righteousness and faithfulness wrapped around him like a belt. See, this is why that the shoot that comes from the stump comes from the stump of Jesse. Jesse is the father of King David, the archetypal king of ancient Israel. And so the shoot from the stump of Jesse is a king from the line of David. It's a king who comes from David's father. A king, in a sense, therefore, on par with David. A king as David's brother. One of his own. Not just any king, a true king, a just king. A king who doesn't judge by appearances, you know, what he sees and hears, but judges by the heart. He doesn't abandon the cause of the poor and the meek, like ancient Israel had begun to do. But he hears their case fairly. A king so just, in fact, as to bring peace to the nation and beyond. A peace based in his justice and in His righteousness. And so we get a kind of a hyperbolic image of what that peace will be like. The wolf with the lamb, the leopard lying with the goat, the cow and the bear, the child and the cobra. These are creatures that generally do not permit the presence of the other who will now dwell together without conflict. Even the most fundamental relationship of violence, predator and prey, even this Isaiah prophetically sees, will be undone in light of the justice of this true king. I mean, today it'd be shocking enough to get a Clemson fan to talk to a Carolina fan after last week, much less a lion and a lamb. Might be too soon for that. Can you imagine a king that could bring peace like that? Have you ever seen such a king? Sometimes we find a king strong enough to silence rebellion, to control their opposition, to dominate the disgruntled. But a king who brings true peace. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine a country united by joy? Not united by fear or by greed or by pride. Not united by wealth or war or constitution. A country a people united by joy in the one true King, united by the justice that proceeds from His mouth. Imagine a justice which no one could question, which even creation bowed down to. A people like that, a nation like that, would be a light on a hill. Wouldn't the rest of the world just flock there? And so they do. Verse 10. In that day the root of Jesse who shall stand as a signal for the peoples of him shall the nations inquire and his resting place shall be glorious. Israel had failed in its purpose to be a light to the nations but now in this new king God's purposes are being fulfilled. And so in Jesus they are. In Jesus we find the true shoot of the stump of Jesse, the true king in the line of David. In Jesus comes a king who judges rightly, who brings peace, not the peace of the sword, but the peace of the cross, making peace in himself by his own blood. In Jesus, the nations are gathered to one Lord. In Jesus, such a thing has begun. And in Jesus, when he returns, such a thing will be completed. 
there will be a kingdom of peace and a king of justice. The shoot from the stump of Jesse has in fact come. This prophecy has been fulfilled in part. And it will be fulfilled in whole. So what does this mean for us? Very simply, it means that the purposes of God will not fail in His church. Though Christians, though churches, though even denominations will fall away, God will bring about His kingdom, the kingdom that He has promised. We can and we should be grieved by the state of the church today. We can and we should be grieved by those who have walked away from the Lord. And we should pray that the the church be restored to wholeness. We should pray that those who have wandered away would be restored to Him in joy. The Lord is faithful to His children. And He hears our prayers. But even as we grieve, and even as we pray, we need not despair. God's covenant will be fulfilled. His kingdom will come no matter how dead the stump seems to be. And the King of Peace will gather all nations to Himself. That's good news. Amen.